Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. Thank you for joining us tonight in this Nature versus Nurture series. Tonight we have a great clip talking about investment. I think it's unique. You know, real love, love that comes from God, is a kind of a selfless love. It's a self-sacrificing love that's willing to invest at the expense of losing sleep, of getting exhausted sometimes, because they love people. You know, I'm glad that many of you folks here tonight, you're not that way, thank God. I'm glad you're not just Sunday morning Christians. To our TV audience, this is a Sunday night service. You can see why I'm saying that to them. But this, you're not Sunday morning Christians. And I believe most of the people in this Barbara Stevens Memorial Chapel would spend any measure of time investing. I believe that's your heart. And I think that's so unique in any ministry. The Bible says in Isaiah, the 49th chapter, uh, the Lord said, listen, can a woman forget her sucking child in the 15th verse, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. And the Lord is always speaking to his people with intimacy. He said, I've graven you on the image of the palms of thy hands. And I know you by name, John 10. You hear my voice. You follow me. My sheep hear my voice. And that's intimacy. God investing in the intimacy of his people with their souls and loves them. Investment. Paulus said to me once in our first church, it was being blessed tremendously up in, north, up in uh, the northern part of New England. And he said, I don't know why God is blessing your ministry so. He said, I'm a, he graduated from a certain university, a very well-to-do uh, university down south, a good fundamental Bible college. But there was one thing I said to him, and it went like this. You know what? I remember... When you were my pastor, you'd never go out after a service, not even ever. You'd never go out before a service. You'd never get up and meet us in prayer in the morning. You gave the ministry a 40-hour week, and you got 40, hour worth of, 40 hours worth of results. Really. He didn't invest. He's a good Christian. He loved God, but he didn't know how to invest. Now... God's people know how to invest. And when I see the many people, the bus drivers, the bus captains, the ladies, the men, the young people, teenagers, college students, adults, older adults, when I see them nourish these children from the buses, train them, rear them up, love them, walk into the Wednesday night fellowship supper with all these various folks that come in and just stay by their side, I always pray Lord, bring that one perhaps to Bible school and send them out to the mission field as a result of that investment. Change that young child's life because that young adult, that teenager is investing. 
Bless that child. Change their motives. Change their desires. Change their goals. Change their heart. Because of that investment. And I know God will do it. Because in such a short period of time, we have about 1,900 children in, in a very short period of time, really, coming out to Sunday school. And it's because God's people are investing. God bless you for it. You'll never be sorry. Jesus said, suffer little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of God. In Mark 10:13, And he said, if you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. And in Proverbs 19:17, he said, the Lord will pay you again. Uh, Pastor Leonard said a statement that blessed me recently. He said, you know, I was wondering why God was blessing this ministry so much materialistically. He said, our motives are to win the lost. Our desires through prayer and love and grace is to obey God. But he said, God is blessing us more financially and physically than he ever has before. And he said, God, I think, shared with me why. He said, I think one of the major reasons is since we started bus ministry. We started 76 routes with Pastor Lloyd and many co-laboring with him, doing a beautiful job. And I believe that quite possibly when we started the bus ministry, God says they're motivated by love because remember this. If I give all my goods to feed the poor and have not charity, it profit me nothing. In 1 Corinthians 13, 2. So you cannot get on a works program and say, Lord, I'm doing it, so bless me. We didn't think of that. We did it because we love children. When we began to go out, week in and week out, in the winter time, when it was cold, uh, when it was icy, and, and bus drivers took care of the buses, and people drove those buses over the ice, and over the snow, and people went with them uh, and, and brought the children in and ministered, and they sang to them and loved them and walked in with them and, and cherished them and nourished them. And God said, you know what? They've obligated me to bless them financially. It's fun to obligate the Lord that way, especially if you're out to win the loss and build up the body and to make an impact in the third world and in Europe. And, and to preach the gospel in 168 countries. Listen, you can't preach the gospel to 168 countries like we're endeavoring to do without obligating the Lord to bless us. So, Proverbs 19:17. Listen, some of you pastors that may be watching this, get, buy your first bus. You say, I don't have any money. Well, we didn't. We were going behind when Pastor Lord talked us into it. And... Uh, but it paid off. Listen, we, we know that God will keep his word. He says, I will repay again, or I will pay you again. Get a bus route. Get another bus route. Get, get going for Jesus Christ with those children and adults and the poor and the needy. Because I, I said this recently. Some of my listeners may not appreciate it, but I think many of you might agree with me. 1 Samuel 2.7 says God made the poor. Deuteronomy 37 verse 7 through 10. And Deuteronomy 15, I'm sorry, verse 10 says the poor will not cease to be in the land. 
And why do you think God made the poor? To test those that are not poor. God uses the poor to test those that have things. And they are a test to God's people. These many children are a test. Well, we go and win them. We go and love them. We go and nourish them up in the Lord. They're waiting. Uh, the poor are waiting in Honduras. The poor are waiting in the Caribbean islands. The poor are waiting in various places in the world. The poor are waiting when we take medical supplies as we preach the gospel. And not just the social gospel. Preach the gospel and carry food and medical supplies and clothing and what they need with them. And that's what we're doing as a part of the universal body of Christ and thanking God for all the ministries and many of them are doing wonderful, wonderful jobs in this area throughout the Christian world. But we thank God that as we obey God, He honors us. He said, if you honor me, I'll honor you. And that's true individually too. If you'll honor the Lord, He'll honor you. If you bless the poor, God will bless you. If you give to those that have need, God will give to you more abundantly. That's what the Word of God says. And certainly with great spiritual uh, riches. Now, I want you to see something else tonight. Not only does God desire to bless us as we obey the Great Commission, as we love one another, but He also teaches us that he desires, in 1 Peter chapter 3, we'll read it in just a moment, that we inherit a blessing. He desires that we inherit a blessing in another area. Now, I want you to realize tonight that many of God's people, and may I say it tonight, do not receive their blessing that God wants them to inherit. I want to show you why. Are you ready? I mean, there are people in this building tonight that over and over again have forfeited a blessing that God wants them to inherit. Now, I think it's so important that we understand that a blessing means benefit. And it also means you legeo. You means well. Legeo means word. It means blessed by words. It means blessed by benefits. It means prosperity. It means things added to our lives that we don't deserve. It means inner happiness. It means outward happiness. It means peace. It means to help. It means to support. It means to enrich. It means all of these things. And Romans, the 15th chapter and the 29th verse, describes it beautifully. Now, why do many, many people, in all honesty, miss their blessing? I want you to turn in your Bibles for just a moment to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. I want you to see it. Starting at verse 8. Finally, all of you should be of one and the same mind, the Amplified Translation, and united in spirit, sympathizing with one another, loving each the others as brethren of one household, compassionate and courteous, tender-hearted, 
and humble-minded. Now listen to this. Are you listening? Follow it carefully, backslider. Follow it carefully, callous Christian. Follow it carefully, those that are in emotional revolt. Follow it carefully if you're rebelling. Follow it carefully if you've given a place to the devil. If you're passive, if you're indifferent, here it is. Never render evil for evil or insult for insult. The child of God never returns evil for evil or insult for insult. And what happens when you return an insult for an insult and evil for evil? Number one, you forfeit being blessed by God. Number two, you prohibit God from dealing with that party freely that offended you. Two things. You interfere with God's dealing with that person because he will not deal with them. You read that in Romans 12, 19, the B part. The first part says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I'll repay. And the Greek says, don't you return evil for evil, but give God an opportunity and give God the privilege of doing what he wants to do as you withdraw from the situation. Now, how many people return evil for evil? I want to tell you why. Because they have an evil heart of unbelief. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. An evil heart of unbelief in the details and situations of life. Somebody said, uh, the teacher does something in school. The parent comes storming in the teacher's office. Why did you do that to my child? I'm not even saying what the teacher did was wrong. Probably it wasn't. But if it was, the parent is not handling it godly at all. What are they doing? The Bible calls it reacting. The scriptures say it's reacting. When you react... Somebody gets in the flesh. You say, oh, you want to fight, huh? Then I'll just roll up my sleeve. What do you got? Two pieces of flesh going after each other. Now, does the person that reacted smell any better than the person that started it? No. You never render evil for evil, the Lord says, nor insult for insult. That's what the scriptures say. No scolding for scolding. On the contrary, hear this now, you give this person a blessing. 
Now, the word render here is giving back. For, for is the, trans, the uh, translation of a preposition. Exchange for a blessing is not a noun, but a participle, and it means you constantly bless them. Present, participle, action going on at the present time. Now, here's the picture. You give the person that does evil to you a blessing. Instead of rendering evil for evil, you find a way to benefit them. Oh, boy, I see you. I see what you're saying. You're turning me off because you don't want to do it. Because it would mean you're spiritual in, through the Holy Spirit. You see? All right. Now, listen. Imagine this. The Word of God says, Pray for their welfare, happiness, and protection, and truly pitying and loving them. For know that to this you have been called, that you may yourselves inherit a blessing from God, obtain a blessing as theirs, bringing welfare and happiness and protection. Some of you in administration, you get upset. You think the head one of your department did wrong. What do you do? React. What should you do? Find a way to bless him. Pray for his protection, his benefit, his happiness, his welfare. Say nothing and find a way to bless him. And in Romans 12:19b, that releases God to work in response to your response to Him. For let him who wants to enjoy life and see good days, keep his tongue free, the Word of God says, from evil, and his lips from guile. Let him turn away from wickedness and shun it, and let him do right. See? Listen, I want you to see that God says in 1 Thessalonians 5.15 the same thing. You never render evil for evil. Never. Not with your tongue, not with your emotions, not with your countenance, not with your response. God is saying that a child of God, a child of grace never reacts and never talks about being offended. Do you know how many people have not been blessed because they reacted instead of withdrawing from the situation Instead of withdrawing from reacting, they reacted and compounded the problem and incapacitated themselves to grow in grace and to become conformed to Christ's image in a spiritual way. Now, I want you for just a moment to think. Several things that we see here. Number one, 
You are called to inherit a blessing. But the Word of God says, every time in those circumstances you give a blessing, you inherit a blessing now and throughout all eternity, it is never taken from you. Just imagine that. Number two, you will be free from frustration and tension and bondage when you don't use your tongue to say a single word. Bitterness and resentment through the wrong reaction. Number three, the Lord guarantees to protect you and to provide for you because the Bible says the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his face is against them that do wicked in 1 Peter 3.12. So the eyes of the Lord protect and his eyes are against those that do evil and offend. Next, never, never get offended when people do evil to you. Show them the fruit of Calvary. In Acts 23, 4, there was name-calling. In John 9, 29, there was sarcasm and ridicule. In Proverbs 25, 24, and 27, 15, there's a nagging wife. Nagging. In Proverbs 26, 21, there's a contentious man that's always causing quarrels and producing strife. So you have all of these categories, the man, the husband, the relationships in the church, the family. And the Word of God says the way to handle them is do not return evil for evil or insult for insult. But a person who insults must turn the insult over completely to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then find a way to bless that person. You've heard it said, don't curse the darkness with more darkness, but bring in light and let the light shine. Don't compound the problem. The Bible says in Luke 6:28, bless them that curse you. Do good to them that mistreat you. That's what the Word of God says. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4:12, when we were reviled, we blessed. When we were persecuted, we endured. We blessed when we were reviled. We, we, when we were persecuted, we endured. So, God wants us to learn this great lesson. This great lesson that those who react lose a, a present blessing and an eternal blessing. Somebody went up to Dr. Alan Redpath and they said to him, you, you're raising too much money in the church. Dr. Redpath said, listen, he said, I had a child. It cost me something for my dear wife to have the baby. It cost me something to feed the child, but I didn't begrudge it. It cost me something to rear up the child. It cost me something to provide food and shelter and an education for the child. Then he said at a very young age, the child came down with leukemia. And the disease and sickness cost me a lot. But he said, I thank God 
I gladly spent every cent with joy for my precious child. I gladly spent every cent with joy for my precious child. Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com. Ephesians 5.29 and following. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, even as the Lord the Church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. So understanding that idea that God cherishes his church, he, he loves his church, and he nourishes his church, he waters it, he takes care of it. In 1 Thessalonians 2, starting in verse 7, Paul is saying, We were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. So just as our nature, this new nature, has given each individual characteristics that are immutable, that are unchangeable, um, when God does something, he puts something in, in motion, we, we are of a certain species as spiritual people. And being genetically and the qualities and characteristics of this new nation, this holy priesthood that we're a part of, are what they are. But like a plant, like a project, like anything that takes steps that need to be done in a certain order, in order for something to be nourished, for there to be investment, investment over a period of time, line upon line, here a little, there a little, is how the word of God is built up in us and we, how we grow as individuals. Just as a child needs to be nurtured, we need to be nurtured. And that investment, that investment, investment from people, investment from God himself, as he brings forth a plan in our lives, as he executes his perfect plan for us and in the world. So this idea of particular investment, what is the worth of going to a church where the leadership and those that are involved in the church invest? They aren't aloof, but instead they're involved and they invest. Not, not in an obtrusive way, but in a caring, loving way. Like a nurse cherishes her children. Joseph in Genesis 50, verse 21, talking to his brothers, said, Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. How we need it. Oh, it's so vital. 
We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com. So I would say to you today, because I care about you, because I, because God loves you, and and I have a desire, knowing that God loves you, that you would be nourished up, that you would be, that there would be investment in your life. But in order for that to start, in order for this to take root in your life, you need to be born from above. You need to be born again. The scripture, spiritual life, is not going to impact someone until the spirit of the living God indwells them and has quickened them, and they've been born from heaven. And you may say, well, I don't know about that. I don't know what that is. I am not, I am not born that way. I don't understand that. Well, there is a spiritual transaction that can take place even now as you're listening to this program. When you mix faith with the Word of God, when you invest your trust in Jesus Christ and what He's done on your behalf, 2,000 years ago, He died, He was buried, He rose again for you, for you that you might be born into his kingdom, loved and nourished up as his child. Pray a prayer with me. Father God, I pray, on the basis of what your son Jesus has done, I'm asking you to come into my life. I'm asking you to cleanse me. I believe and I receive this free gift of salvation. I, I could never merit it. I don't understand everything. But I am asking, and I am believing now, and I am praying this prayer in faith, believing you will move in my life. And I pray these things and ask these things in Jesus' name.